Ah, coffee drinkers. What's happening? Good morning. Are you sitting comfortably? Do you have your coffee? Um, been a little bit of a gap since the last one. Chelsea is out of town on the road. If you are in listening to this today on the 30th, you've actually just missed her show in Portland, but she's going to be playing in Vermont tomorrow night. So it's just me today and going to catch you up on a little bit of what I've been up to the past week. Really making a big push to work on some classical music, which has been helping my fundamentals immensely. Uh, I'm also going to answer a ton of questions from the Instagram uh, Ask Me Anything thing that I put up earlier today. So there were tons and tons of questions for that. We will get back to the regular podcast questions. There are a bunch in the list when Chelsea's here, because so many of them were for both of us. So I'm going to wait for her and uh, do some of those on the next episode. But I've been working... on this, uh, on a lot of classical music, specifically uh, at least the last couple of days, the Hummel Trumpet Concerto in E flat. Some really challenging things that are not exactly very bass friendly and very trumpet esque. Ah, it's like these, these little triad things. Trying to get trying to get the articulation right. It's just a massive challenge. I've been playing along with uh, a trumpeter from Norway by the name of Tina Ting Helseth. I'm probably butchering her name. She's really really great trumpet player. Um, I'm not doing her name any justice. Uh, go check her out. I'm checking her out on Spotify right here actually. Um, working on this. Just beautiful melodies. So I'm listening to her jamming along with it. By the way, I put a couple of these up on Instagram. Um, people have said, hey man, that's a nice cover of that classical. No, this is not a cover. A cover is when you actually play the song on your own. Jamming along to a record is not a cover. What, 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 is, what is wrong with people? Jamming along to a record and throwing it up on Instagram does not constitute a cover. Newsflash for anyone out there who thinks that that does. That is not a cover. That's just playing over the record. That's what I'm doing here. I'm not pretending uh, to be making a cover of this at all. I'm just using kind of her phrasing and her recording as a guide and using it as a challenge to really get the, get the phrasing super dialed in and all the dynamics. There are so many written dynamics in this music in general, not just the Hummel, but in classical music in general. I think it's something that gets really overlooked for a lot of jazz musicians and people who work in contemporary music and uh, especially like contemporary popular music you know jazz and, and stuff like that so this has been a great week first week of many I think of, of getting back into into working on classical music I come from that background anyway with the classical guitar oh excuse me should not have had bubbles before the podcast but um it's a real discipline it really sorts out Sorts out the good from the great, I think, and, and it, it's a real reality check in terms of what you think you can do and what you can actually do. So there are certain passages. I'll play you a couple of things here before we get to the questions, because um, I, when I hit record, I was right in the middle of practicing, and I'm working on the third movement here of the Hummel. Uh, let's see where I'm at in the in the recording here. Ah, I see. 
oh right 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 i was working on that little section and the melodies really stick around some beautiful melodies i've been humming them in the car and walking around a grocery store um they're really beautiful melodies that stick around and and super clear Um, maybe i'll get the entrance right that would be key challenging little passage there uh, some, some different techniques that you have to employ because I don't have the luxury of that valve thing I have to replicate that with like hammers and pulls and slides and really try and get it even and there's a crescendo through there to a fortissimo it's like okay to a forte rather Uh, and then getting the fingering right definitely um, found I was doing a lot of work going over this stuff slowly even though I can read this stuff pretty much in the ballpark through the first time what really paid off was getting a, a comprehensive set of fingering together for for, for each passage and just for every note really just knowing exactly where I'm going to be um, uh, especially when you got to play but like a lot of repeated notes repeat that you, you got a target note and then your target note is where you start again And then my favorite part of this whole thing is where it goes into. Not this part, part where we go to the modulation to the minor. flat major to E flat minor beautiful melody My practice routine right now, that's some of the stuff I'm working on, hugely beneficial to my process, I have to say. Don't, if, you, if you're ever wondering whether you should or you shouldn't, don't overlook classical music at all. It's an amazing, amazing teacher um, of, of so many of the fundamentals, you know, from top to bottom. You just get so engaged with your instrument. And I'm working on trumpet music, um, played by a Danish woman with, uh, I don't know who the orchestra is, it's like we're very far removed from each other. Um, 
stylistically, uh, geographically, all of those things, but it's unbelievable how close it is to what I do and how useful it is in the process. So if there's anything that you've heard and were curious about, I'd highly recommend going out there and be like, oh, let's really check this thing out. And I've been creating, there's a, there's a Paganini, a couple of Paganini things I've been working on. Um, oof, um, ah, this microphone is too close. It's really weird having the mic in front of me. Should be playing a little slower, but um. I've been working on that one, and um, and this as well. Uh. And just creating, I've posted a couple of things on Instagram um, along these lines recently. Creating exercises from that, just extending uh, little cells. Just repeating them. And just moving. That, that's just simply moving up the scale. Uh, whoops. <laughs> so kind of going up Dorian. Yeah, no. Basically C minor, uh, A minor, with F natural, G, and G sharp as the roots in the end there, as the little chord progression. That kind of thing. And then making sure you can do it in all keys, of course. Can I? I guess I can do it in at least A minor and F minor, but I've been moving that around the instrument um, for a few days now and then creating tons of exercises based around ideas like that. Just things I find in the Paganini, in the Hummel, the Haydn, the Dvorak. Oh, so many things. I've been listening to some Elgar, some Mahler, all kinds of stuff. And just taking little fragments of it, moving them around the instrument and you know, using those ideas and those things as solutions for in, for issues I'm having, you know, with my own technique. Now, Instagram went a little nuts earlier on. Coffee drinkers, you came out in 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 quite in quite a set of numbers. Uh, so I'm just going to dive in. This could get long, but hopefully, I mean, I'm going to put the bass down until I actually need it. If anyone asked a bass related question, but. Okay, here we go. See all. Woo. Okay, first question. Wow, I guess I should check this out. Maybe it got taken down, but somebody said, is the podcast ever coming to Spotify? As far as I know, it's always been on Spotify. Uh, let's find out what's going on. Podcast episodes. Yeah, they're all up there. So the podcast is definitely on Spotify. By the way, I should have started out the podcast like this. It's the end of 2018. 2019 is right around the corner and we are having our final base sale of the year. The coupon code is Coffee Drinkers. You can get 15% off your entire order. Not only that, but the books are already all discounted by about 40% already. So go over to store.yannickwasdala.com 
for digital copies with video and you can get them worldwide at Amazon. There is, I don't have a discount code for Amazon, unfortunately, uh, but you can get 15% off at my store until midnight tomorrow. Midnight, New Year's Eve over here on the West Coast will be shutting that sale down, but you still have like another, I don't know, 30 hours or something, something like that to make use of it. So go to store.yannickwasdala.com and uh, check out everything is on sale and uh, you can get that 15% discount. Use the coupon code Coffee Drinkers. Let's get back to the questions. There are so many here. I'm going to have to blast through a few of them. Um, how do you feel about your mattis and base? Some of these are quite generic and not very specific. Uh, how, I feel great about it, so I'm not really sure how to answer that one. Um, yeah, it's a, an amazing base. I mean, I have three of them now, three different ones, and the, the new four-string is just unbelievable. The double cut, the neck is maybe one of the best necks I've ever played on any bass ever. Um, had a long conversation with Anders Matheson about it uh, the other night because we are going to be at NAMM show this year. Um, by the way, the new 251 book, if anyone checked that out, uh, if you are around NAMM, I printed off, I had a bunch of copies printed. I'm going to bring some to NAMM, and I'm going to do signed copy so if you come and find me at the Mattison booth at NAM, you can get a signed physical copy of the book just a heads up for anyone coming over to the NAM show i'll be there at least thursday friday saturday maybe sunday as well but thursday friday saturday that's in just a few weeks time in anaheim california at the NAM show uh, so come and check us out and that is where you can get signed copies of the book um, have i ever checked out red panda pedals could provide some interesting inspiration i know about red panda pedals i don't have one any of them and i haven't checked them out yet i've i've, I've checked out some videos and stuff online and i definitely agree they would be very interesting and ins inspirational uh next question would you go on a south american tour with jojo mayer any day any second of any, like if, if the phone rang now and it was Jojo saying, hey, Yannick, man, go to the airport. Uh, I would go to the airport and I would get on a plane and I would go anywhere in South America with Jojo because that's my man. Um, next question. Are you coming back to Chile? Yes, I will definitely be coming back to Chile. Um, this year is already very, very busy uh, with touring stuff and um, Chelsea and I getting married in August. So for sure, I'm not going to be doing any solo, any solo touring, touring as a band leader until after the wedding so maybe i will start up in kind of october or november of 2019 but i'm really looking at 2020 as the big year to put out a new record with um with a band and to really do some some gigs all over the world so stay posted for that that is that is on the schedule um next question i'm on vacation for two weeks how slash what do i practice without a bass I tell you what, if you have your phone or any way to play media, play music and listen, I suggest you immerse yourself for those two weeks and, and take that time and listen to as much music as you possibly can. Try, pick out one album and, and try and set yourself a goal of listening to it 20 times. Pick out something you really, really dig or that you're really curious about and you haven't checked out before and play it 20 times. That's what I used to do. That's what everyone of my generation and older used to do. We used to listen to the same record over and over and over again. That is how we learned. There was none of this two second, you know, attention span bullshit on YouTube and click, 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 suggest, 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 none of this stuff. Like you actually had to get the CD or the record or whatever it was, sit down somewhere with a with a with a device that that played that media and and listen to it over and over and over again. Um, so that is how I suggest you practice on vacation. Um, 
what software did I use to make my books? That is a Chelsea question because she, and I, but I know she, she uses Sibelius and she uses InDesign, but do not get it twisted. I am not the one making these books look pretty. That is all Chelsea. She is absolute master of that thing, design and copy, copying and, and just layout and all that stuff. So yeah, InDesign and Sibelius. Boom. That's uh, that's what that's what she used. Um, uh, when you work with loops, how do you avoid repeating the same events? Not sure what you mean by events. Um, I don't know. Maybe you mean just repeating material. I, you know, every time I make a loop, it's completely different. Um, so I'm always I'm never trying to repeat anything. I'm always trying to find something new. So that's my mindset when I set out. And as long as I'm going into the performance with that intent of searching for something new and giving an honest performance, generally I'm going to come up with something uh, something that I haven't heard before and that I haven't played before. And I will tell you that it doesn't always work, um, but I am totally okay with failing. I mean, I live for failing. If I'm if I'm not failing, I'm not learning, and I'm not you know I'm not pushing, and I'm not being honest. So that's a huge key there. Um, let's see. How do you meet new musicians? <laughs> well, this is a pretty simple one. There are to there are many, many clubs and venues and music schools and just locations where musicians hang out. That's not that much of a mystery. Um, so, you know, whether you're at music school, that's a great place to meet people. I met a lot of people there. Before I went to music school, I met people at jam sessions. I met people by going to shows and hanging out and talking to people in the, in, in the, in the venue, in the lobby or afterwards outside, you know, the hang. Get used to that because the li your life as a musician is about 5% music, music and about 95% dealing with people and, you know, quote unquote, the hang. So um, you want to you wanna get into that early. I was terrible at it. I might not be that good at it it's still. I don't know. If Chelsea was here, she'd really give me a reality check. But, um, you know, that that that's how you meet musicians. you gotta got to put yourself out there. Uh, what are you most grateful for in 2018 in terms of music? Ooh. Well, let me see. Had, well, had so many great moments in terms of music. Um, I'm very proud of the new book uh, that, you know, Chelsea and I just put out, for instance. That was a big... That was a big moment. It was, um, it's kind of standing up there with Chordal Harmony. Chordal Harmony was our most successful book uh, to date, and and two five one like uh, uh, jazz jazz vocabulary book that we just put out is really eclipsing that already. Which is so. Thank you, first of all, <laughs> first and foremost for everyone who checked that out. It's been an amazing response. I'm very grateful for that. I'm grateful that me and Chelsea got to work on that and uh, made it made it through it. <laughs> it was it was hard work. Um, at times for both of us and uh but we got it out and she she made it look beautiful and I'm, and I'm very proud of the content um i had some great moments on the road uh especially in europe last year and it's hard to it's hard to put one musical thing that i'm most proud of in 2018 but i appreciate your question and uh and thank you um next question what's your favorite song from thundercat uh i don't know any songs from thundercat i'm afraid so tough to answer that question um the best okay let's see how, how is this question being asked english not the first language here i'm guessing um i think the gist of the question is what is the best city or where would i live if i had to live in europe Ooh, i don't know i'm not sure i'd live in a big city or in a city at all 
I'd like to probably be a little, a little quieter, a little secluded, perhaps. I don't know. Um, there are many cities I love. I mean, Chelsea and I were just in, in Copenhagen, which I've always loved. And, and then when she uh, went back and went, went, continued with her tour, I stayed there with my buddy Jonas from Norway. And we had a blast, you know, hanging out in the city. And it's a beautiful place. I've always loved Copenhagen. Um, it was super cold. It was the winter. So I, I, I'm not a big fan of the cold on a regular basis. I could tolerate it for a few days. So I'm also a big fan of Barcelona. Um, I like, you know, I, I like lots of parts of Switzerland. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure why you were asking the question, whether it was my personal opinion you wanted or whether that was advice on a good city to live in for music. Mm. I don't know. Uh Coffee drink has got to be a little more specific when you ask the questions, I'm afraid. I uh, hope I can do do them justice either way. Uh, what is your favorite chord? Don't have one. Um, how did you improve your velocity? And when did you see and feel the results? Was it months or years? Wow. Well, I'm still working on that. Um Literally this morning, like I was working on a very specific right hand technique of picking every note. It's not something I do uh, very often at all. It's not something that's very musical in terms of the shape of of an entire performance. But at some sometimes you need that that dynamic where you're picking every note. And I was actually working on that today and working on the upper range of uh, yeah, the upper limits of my ability. So I'm I'm constantly working on it. I've been playing for over 25 years. And I'm still working on it. So um, in terms of how long does it take, uh, I, you know, I'm feeling the results, you know, from when I was 15, 25 years later. Uh, I'm not giving that answer to be funny. That's I'm being very serious. Um, and it really, it's not about velocity being the focus. I don't just want to play fast. It's never been my intention to just be fast or just have massive chops. It's always coming from a musical necessity. So if there's something I want to play that I don't have the fundamental technique for, then yes, I will work on, uh, you know, some element of the work that goes into that will be velocity. But the intent is not velocity. The intent is always, always, always musicality. Um, show your first photo with a bass. Oh, okay, I guess these were being asked on Instagram. I was going to say this is a podcast, no photos. But, wow, I'd really have to dig around for that. My first photograph with a bass probably 25 years ago not even sure if I have that maybe I'll work on that that's an Instagram post perhaps um, what is something with or on the bass that came easy to you uh, nothing I always worked hard I don't really believe in talent like natural ability or any of that kind of crap I, I truly believe that it's just hard work and I like work. I really like doing the work. I, I'm in love with doing the work. So I've always just worked really hard and anything that I'm good at or it's someone's opinion that I'm good at something, then that has always been a, a product of of hard work and, and having an open mind. And the more often I, whenever I have an open mind and I'm being honest, that's when I'm making, making the most progress. Um, oh, this is a tough one. What records have had the biggest impact on your playing? Woo. <sighs> Yeah, so many. Yeah, that's that's like an entire podcast on its own, like the the hit list of 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 songs and albums. It, it's tough. I can't. We'd be here another hour. So uh, let's see. Next question: Did you quit Federa, or are you just playing more basses at this point? No, I did leave 
Federa in terms of being one of their artists and endorsing their product. Yes, I did leave. Um, and I am very happy being with Matteson Basses and having signature instruments with them that we've worked incredibly hard on over the past year and a half and that are launching officially at the NAMM show in a few weeks. Very excited about that. Both Henrik, Linda and myself will be there at the Matteson Bass booth at the NAMM show, as I think I may have mentioned before. Um, okay. Uh, la, 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 la. Don't you feel inefficient to have such a high action is it kind of a temporal thing or temporary training? Um, no, I don't feel inefficient. I feel the best I've ever felt. It's just work, motherfuckers. Like, every, see, everyone gives me a hard time about this. Like, even, and maybe there's some truth to the intonation thing that I'm having an issue with. Maybe the action is a little high. I've seen some comments about that, that the string is having to be pushed down too far, and that is causing the intonation uh, to be a little bit wonky in the very high register of the instrument. We're still working on that. It's uh, it's not the bass. We know that. The bass is perfectly intonated. Um, maybe some inconsistency in the strings, which weren't int intonating very well. There are all kinds of variables. But in terms of the efficiency of my technique, no, I do not feel inefficient at all. I feel better and stronger than I ever have with the biggest dynamic range uh, I've ever had in my life. Um, and that is very evident when it comes to playing this super specific classical music, having the control between, you know, pianissimo and piano, mezzo forte, forte, fortissimo, like all of these dynamic markings, the articulation, the phrasing, just the overall sound. You know, I'm not a trumpet player. I'm not a violin player. I'm not able to, to emulate exactly uh, the musicians that I'm listening to and jamming along to. But in order to get inside their head and to actually learn something from what they're doing, when I listen to Yo-Yo Ma or I listen to Maxim Vengerov or any of these incredible musicians, I want the ability that they have in terms of dynamics and control of their instrument. And the, the high action has been played a huge part in that a really huge part in that, in increasing that range and then getting control of it. It's not just increasing the range and then being all over the place. Like You have to be really in control of it to be able to execute musically and honestly um, when you perform. So yeah, I get a lot of things like, wow, what's the point? That's stupid. I could never play that way. Well, yeah, if you don't practice, of course you never be able to play that way with that kind of action. That's pretty simple. And it's work that no one wants to do. That's why a lot of people have low action. Um and I used to have super low action as well. Couldn't fit a cigarette paper under that. And that wasn't for, you know, that wasn't because I didn't want to do the work. I was always exploring. I just hadn't found the high action thing until until Patatucci came along and we talked about it. So, no, it's just a lot of work. I mean, thousands and thousands more hours just to get, just to move to the next step and be able to, to be able to practice consistently with the high action. That's, it's just a lot of work. I'm, Pretty much nobody wants to do it. So, no, I don't feel inefficient. I feel great. Um, and I'm still dialing it in. Uh, next question. How can I memorize the entire fretboard? That is just time spent with your instrument. If you haven't memorized your fretboard yet, the simple answer is you haven't spent enough time with the instrument. If that's a visual thing for you or a sonic thing, you're obviously training your, your ear at the same time. Every time you pick up the instrument, you're training your ear. You're getting used to what, you know, uh, now I'm going to pick up my bass. Um, you're getting used to what uh, C sounds like. You know, when you hear that, if, if you were sitting opposite me with a bass right now and I played this, if you, had, you were blindfolded and I played that note, 
I would hope that you wouldn't reach to the instrument and, and I told you to find it. I said, okay, I'm going to play this note. Can you find it on your instrument without looking? I would hope your hand wouldn't immediately go somewhere up here. I'd hope you, you'd know kind of, it's a C, but maybe you'd be within a minor third or a whole step, maybe even a fourth, fifth or something, but at least in the lower register of the instrument. So first of all, you have to kind of assess where you are, where your ability level is um, when, when it comes to, to hearing stuff and having like a basic understanding and a basic feel for proximity and, and where all those notes are. And then if I were to play two notes, like whether you can identify whether the first note is higher or lower than the second one, th those kind of basic things. And then it's about spending, just spending quality time with your instrument and paying attention, not having the phone on or the TV on or, or just distractions, like really sitting there and being like, okay, so here we go. We play this completely symmetrical instrument, tuned in fourths, piss easy to play. It's a total bullshit instrument, the bass, by the way. It's so easy, you know? Um, it's just laid out. It's not quite as easily visually laid out as a piano, but it's really easy to be able to play something in C and then also to be able to play it in D flat because you just play exactly the same thing and move it up a half step and you can do that all over the instrument. So if you can play something in C, there's a high likelihood that you can play it in pretty much any key just by working with shapes. And if it depends how you learn as well. You have to assess that. Are you a visual person or are you a, a predominantly... Uh, oral person like list, just listening and, and, and having a good ear and no matter what you are no matter how you learn I always you know try and shape someone's process towards hearing rather than seeing because that's what's most useful in real time in musical situations so just be aware of all of those things pay attention and spend time with your instrument there's no easy way around it at all there's no magic answer to like oh yeah you do this this and this and you immediately learn your fretboard no you spend time um, uh, hey, love your content. Why do you tend to sing slash hum when you play and when you practice? Thanks. Uh, yeah, it's not very pleasant. <laughs> I know that people give me so much shit for it, man. I don't, I really don't care. I, I really don't, 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 don't care because when I go play, when I actually play, people give me shit for it online. Okay. So first of all, online doesn't count, you know, any of the content I'm posting when I'm practicing, is literally practicing. If you were here in the room, you'd hear exactly the same thing. Not only would you hear exactly the same thing, but online it's accentuated because the cell phone picks up that frequency. It's closer to the to, to me than, than to, the, to the amp, for instance. But I don't care. The whole point is connecting um, the idea to the instrument as fast as possible, and that comes through vocalization. And I'm an awful singer. But it's that noise that I make and when I am kind of vocalizing and when I am roughly uh, playing, singing and, and playing the same pitches, it's all about phrasing and about breathing and about you know, making that connection. You know, your voice is your first instrument and if you can if you can sing something, sing a rough shape, you should be able to play it immediately on the instrument as well. And the more you have those two things connected, um, the more honest your performance is and probably the more successful it is as well. Um, Okay, here's another question. What is the best compression pedal for bass players, in your opinion? Uh, well, I, who knows? <laughs> because it, it, that's t totally subjective, right? Everyone wants something different. Um, I can tell you what I use and what I love, and that's the Miura, M-I-U-R-A, Miura M2 compressor limiter. They're a company here in California. Um, 
It's an amazingly warm, beautiful, subtle compressor. I love it. Is it the best thing that's ever been made? For me, yeah. You know, do I recommend you try it? Absolutely. I think it's a beautiful piece of equipment. I highly recommend it. Is it ultimately the right thing for you? I can't tell you that. You you have to tell yourself that. So my opinion is, you know, it's really just my it's my opinion. And it is of sort of minimal use to you, you know. You, you ask me my opinion about something, I can give you a recommendation, but ultimately I will always say, hey, this is what works for me, but you should be concentrating on what works for you. That will make, uh, that, that will get you to, that will get you to you way quicker if you're honest about what you hear and about what you feel rather than going on somebody else's opinion uh, solely. So I hope that helps. Uh, next question, when is the, man, there are a lot of questions here. Feel my mouth getting dry already. Okay. Uh, when is the double cut coming out? The double cut four string that is coming out in just a few weeks at the NAMM show. I have one here. I think Anders is going to bring another one over. Uh, we will be taking orders for that at the NAMM show, I do believe. Um, do you use all fingerings for scales and arpeggios or use select ones? It's a bit overwhelming. I use what's comfortable. I go back and forth with my buddy James Valentine, who's a good, great guitar player. Um, about this all the time and when I make books I don't put fingerings in there for the most part and I do treble clef stuff or guitar versions and I don't put fingerings because I think it's important that the user figures out what is uh, comfortable for them and that is exactly what I did and the more here's the thing the more the writer of the book does the work for you the more worthless the book is in my opinion you know this should be good information that, sh that, sh that that inspires you, that you can dig into, and that you can immediately start to change and make your own. You know, I, I, I will, even a book I'm working on right now about a real definitive technique guide for electric bass, because one doesn't exist and I'm working on making one right now, it's still a guide. And there are still going to be elements of it that, yes, I suggest to do it this way, but I always recommend that you dial in what works for you and everyone is going to be a little bit different there are going to be some fundamental things that i strongly believe in and say hey this really works like irrefutable evidence you know for for, for something working and being tried and tested but there are just so many things and so much of content in general and of performance elements that is so very very unique um and the more I dig into this classical stuff, the more I'm studying it and figuring out how classical musicians do it and how it can work for such a modern instrument like the electric bass. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, but fingerings, it's about slowing it down and figuring out what works for you. And also um, making sure that once you find what works for you, you're practicing the same thing slowly as you are when you wind up the tempo. It's very easy to change the fingering and the articulation. Sometimes you need that because it's a different performance at a slower tempo. But when you're working towards a higher tempo with a specific thing, you want to make sure you're practicing all of those articulations that you want at the higher tempo. You should be practicing those at the slower tempo as well because it's very easy to fall into picking every note when you're at the slower tempo because your right hand or your picking hand can manage that. But you're going to find when you get up in the stratosphere of, of tempo that your right hand or your picking hand will not be able to manage that. And you have to overcome that with hammers and pulls and slides and other articulations. So make sure you're practicing those high speed or those higher tempo gold, uh, higher tempo gold, higher tempo goals 
uh, you make sure you're practicing the same articulations of fingerings at the slower tempo. Um, Okay, next question. Will you explain what happened between you and Federa? I'm being nosy. Uh, I don't know. I've, I've answered that question like so many times now. Um, but I guess I'll, I'll answer it again. Um, yeah, Just a big difference of opinion uh, at the end of the day. And um, just wanting to go in two very different directions and not agreeing and, and going and kind of going our separate ways. And... Uh, very sad on some levels because after i don't know 17 years or something long time being with them and several instruments and you know being a, a very much associated with that one instrument you know for for the bulk of my career uh it was a big move and a big change and a big shift um but i am incredibly happy where i am now and uh, you know anders and i are on the same wavelength and are of the same we have a, a, a set of goals which are very in line and so far have worked very efficiently together to, to get to where we are with these, you know, three prototype bases, two of which will launch as as real, real bases. I mean, some of them are even going out right now. The single cut is is set. We've finalized the the, the tone and all, all the, the control layout. So we've got a passive tone control on there now, which is awesome. Um, and all those last little details. So I know one went out to a customer very recently. There are more. He, I, we were on FaceTime uh, two days ago and he showed me Another one which was almost done, just needed electronics putting in it, and I know there's an order for another one in like the, a, a few of the of the high endy ones are are already taken, and I know they're they're going out there, and I'm very very proud of them, you know. And obviously you hear and see if you follow me at all, and you you hear the basses, you see me playing them. It's not this is, and it's also I want to be very very clear. It was I didn't leave Federa and join Matheson for financial reasons. It's not about some get rich quick scheme like like so many uh, musicians do. They jump from company, one company to the next and take huge amounts of money and create signature uh, things. And then the next second you look around and they're with another company with the same piece of equipment, but with a different name on it. You know, it was absolutely nothing to do with that at all. It was, it was purely musical and philosophical and I guess ideological on some on some level. So that is that. Hopefully that might be the last time I answer that question. Maybe I'll just refer people back to this podcast from now on. Um, is the jazz vocabulary book good for beginners? Yes, I would say it is very good for beginners. As long as you can put, you know, your, your hands on the instrument and make a sound, like as long as you really didn't just buy a bass yesterday, um, I think it's great for beginners. That's the whole reason getting the, the, the front part of the book in there with really simple chord tone um, ideas and really getting you to navigate the entire neck of the instrument and getting you familiar with this sound of 251s. Um, very, very simple concepts, really, uh, I think, very easy to grasp and a great foot in the door for a beginner to really get that sound into their fingers and into their ears and and get those get those kind of authentic uh, motions, you know, where, how to use chord tones, how to use root motion and how to do that in 12 keys. So yes, I think it is good for beginners very much. Um, do you have a warm up routine, something that you do every day in the same way? No, it's never the same way. Um, I do warm up every single time uh, before I really get into the, into the meat and potatoes of my practice routine. I absolutely warm up. It is never the same thing. Uh, when you look at um, one of my first books, All the Good Stuff, that has it's one of my oldest warm-up ideas. I think that's the very first exercise in All the Good Stuff. And it's simply, I'll grab my bass again. 
and I'll play it for you. It's really, it doesn't get a lot simpler than this. And the, the concept behind it is to warm up all four fingers on the, on the uh, fretting hand at the same time. And it's just a, a, um, a diminished chord. And I play it eight times and then move up a half step. Now listen, I'm not ringing on. So my fingers are coming off the fingerboard. So it's silent in between. There's articulation there. It's staccato, so the, the, the fingers are coming off the fingerboard. So they're, they're gently squeezing the bass with the left hand and engaging and getting the blood moving. That was the concept behind that. And I still use that. I've used that for over 20 years, and I'll still use that from time to time, especially if I need something quick and I'm, my fingers are literally cold. And there's a difference between actually being super cold or actually just not being warmed up yet. Um, so that's one I use when I'm actually cold, when it's actually cold in the room I'm playing in. But then it can really vary. The classical stuff, some of the stuff I played in the beginning of this uh, podcast has started to become, you know, part of my warm-up routine. Obviously, slow. You know, that's the key for me is like really slow. And I'll start out sometimes with the metronome at 60 BPM and get get it really dialed in, fill my time and, and all that kind of stuff. So no, nothing the same every day, but I definitely warm up every time before I practice. Um, what is your one best piece of advice for a musician slash bassist? <sighs> so many good ones. Um, listen. I think listening. What's the phrase? There's some, somebody had the, the, the joke or the, 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 the phrase like the... And I, I don't know who to credit this to, but I've heard it a bunch of times. Like the less your lips are moving the more you're learning some kind of that kind of sentiment like shut the fuck up and listen and that's generally when you're going to be learning the most so i think it's important for any musician especially when you're interacting and when you're in that real communicative moment that real time situation of making music listening is just so key i don't think we practice that enough i know i don't and I also know I listen to hours and hours of music every day, so and I, I feel I don't do enough. So I'm working on being way better than that at, at that. And I think we we can all make a conscious effort to listen a little bit more than we do. And I think that goes for life as well, not just not just music. Are your strings E A D G C? Uh, yes, on some of my basses they are. On my Mattison single cut five string, the one I play most of the time. The one I play most of my music on, yes, I have a low E and a high C. I also have a hip shot on the E string, so I can drop that down to a D, C, or B, or whatever I want. Um, uh, let's see. Is the Mattison bass you've played for the last year a prototype? That's a good question. Will you be getting a newer model of that? Uh, it's a good question. Something we've talked about a little bit, and of course, even though these bases are built to some very exact specifications that the hand, the master built ones are still all built by hand. So there are going to be minute differences between all of them. They will each be unique. So I've really started to find my voice on this instrument and I've been playing it like, like the person asking the question said for over a year. Um, so I would actually at this point be very reluctant. It, yes, it is still a prototype, it will not be one of the, the very limited number of basses that we sell. It is a prototype, but it may really end up being the bass I always play. And it is very, I mean, aside from, I'm, I'm one knob missing. I don't have the passive tone control in the bass yet. I've got to get Anders to fit that. But aside from that, all the basses that are being made are based on this one, even though it is the prototype. 
but I love it and I may well just stay with that uh, for forever. That would that'd be so cool. I got to drink something. Sorry. So many questions, so much talking. No Chelsea here to go back and forth. Man, I hate it when she's gone. Um, it's a bummer being here on my own. But here we go. Any UK London gig tour plans for 2019? Absolutely. Go to yannickwizdala.com. Uh, I'm going there right now just to see if any of that information is up yet. What did I put up there? I know we're playing in... I'm out with Bob, Bob's band, with Bob Reynolds. Um, so... March 28th, 2019, we'll be at the Jazz Cafe. March 29th, we will be at Band on the Wall in Manchester. I know we have dates in Leeds, Bristol. Um, let's see, Leeds, Bristol, Dublin, Southampton. Um, and I think maybe Glasgow as well. I'm not 100% sure. But yes, UK is very much on the map. Like There's a week of shows there, and then we go to Europe. I will be making a vlog very soon about all of that, actually, because much like when we did it earlier this year, we are attempting, Bob is attempting to play a bunch of new cities, ones we did not go to. So we need your feedback as to which ones are going to be the ones. I know we're planning, I want to say Norway, Sweden, Denmark, um, maybe some Holland, Belgium, stuff like that. Northern Europe, basically. Um, but we want to get that dialed in. And Bob made a vlog about it. You should go check that out about uh, about touring. About the We've got two tours coming up in 2019. And he made a great vlog about that. You should go check that out. And uh, I'll make one soon as well, for sure. And uh, get, you, get you guys dialed in. Coffee drinkers, I'm sure, will be out in force. It was great to meet so many coffee drinkers on the last tour. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward, forward to the next one. Um, next question. How, wow, how deep are we going here? Jesus, there's like 60 more questions. There's no way I can answer all of these. Um, luckily, there are lo lots of doubles. Um, uh, a lot of questions about Skype lessons. That is not a thing, unfortunately. No time in the schedule for that. Uh, how did you start your professional career as a musician and how difficult uh, was it? Um, I don't know. I was. I loved it. So... Even though looking back on it, there were some super hard moments. Uh, I didn't consider it to be hard at the time because I just loved it so much. Um, and I started through my I started my professional career through sheer willpower. I think I just willed gigs into existence, starting off incredibly small, being paid little or no money, and then just building that network and meeting people and continuing to be, you know honestly passionate about it and working really really hard and working more than most people i guess at the end of the day that's i think that's how you succeed in most most areas of life um how old was i when i started playing the bass probably around 15 something like that um how do you approach composing pieces with only your bass uh it's a good question normally it comes from hearing a melody first and then I'll then I'll then I'll go to the bass and sit down and and figure out a few things. But normally it comes from, you know, I don't know. It comes from just uh, just melodies being there in my head and then wanting to get them out. I think that's how I that's how I do it. Um, can't believe you're into periphery. What tunes are you digging? Okay, I'm not a super fan by any means, and I'm like fair weather fan, I guess. But I you know. 
I go to uh, uh, Spotify and when I want to shed some of that stuff or, or just shred over it or play along or, or get my ear dialed into that kind of music, I'll just go to peripheries. Um, like I'll do it right now uh, <laughs> in real time. If uh, Spotify is here, periphery, boom, there it is. And just go to their like top play stuff. I don't know the band well enough to be like, oh, this record and that record and that solo and blah, blah, blah. Let's see what we got. Boom. Oh, I have heard this before, actually. But, uh, I would, I would just go in on this and rock out. You know, nice groove in seven, some unison stuff, some chunking away on a guitar. I'm sure it's going to get even more epic down the track. So, I, you know, I go and find something I don't understand and then, bam, uh, you know, start working on it right away and uh, I'm figuring it out. Um, let's see. Uh, a few weeks ago, you said you'd sit down with Chaney uh, if you had to work on Slap. What would you ask him? Oh, that's true. I did say if I had to work on Slap, what would I ask Chaney? I don't know. He's just so good at everything. You know, like it doesn't matter what it is. It almost doesn't matter whether it's Slap or not, like playing with a pick or just like, hey, you know, he's probably pl played on 40 country records that I've never heard of that are badass, you know, or he's played on heavy rock and he's played on movie soundtracks. So I think it's more about, I think I get the most out of someone's experience and wanting to know what they're feeling when they play um, rather than kind of technical specifics. I don't think I'd be asking him like, oh, so where does the thumb go? And I'd be asking him more things about like, what were what were big turning points for you when you were listening to slap players? Like what made the difference? What really turned you on to that style of playing? You know, where was your inspiration? And, and perhaps it would be totally different for me, but he would give me a starting point, you know? And obviously I've been around for a couple of minutes, so we'd probably both be, you know, know a lot of the, it'd be like Larry Graham, I'm sure, and and Flea, and uh, who knows, Marcus probably, like just a ton of people who play in that style. But I'm sure he would have great recommendations of songs and like sections to check out and what things to repeat and all kinds of stuff. And maybe some technical stuff as well. You know, I'm by no means a master of that style at all. You know, I can play it and I know a lot about, you know, the, the technical requirements and stuff. But maybe he would have a few great technical pointers as well. I don't know. I should have asked him that when we when we did the interview. Uh, next question from Thomas Lafont. Did you get my CD? Uh, no, <laughs> um, I did not. I also don't think I've ever given anyone my address, so I'm not sure where you would have mailed that to. Wherever you mailed it, I am not ever going to get it because I don't have a public address out there that actually goes anywhere. So, um, no, MP3s, people, I haven't been sent a CD in years, so uh, not a good, not a good way to, to get music to me. Um, how would you approach rearranging a tune, for example, a standard? Uh, you know what? Something comes to mind on a record I produced. Let's see if I can see if it's on Spotify because I have that open right here. And the artist is on Spotify. Let's see if the album is there. We're going to go back a while. Yes, it is. 2006. I rearranged um, P. 
Peter Gabriel, Kate Bush tune. Don't give up. See if you can hear the melody here. And the concept behind it was, you know, had a little groove here. Layering it slowly, you know, bass and drums starting out. Here comes the Rose. This is Aaron Parks. Kendrick Scott on drums. Who's playing bass on this? Peter Slavov, I think. Melody. Oh, no, not yet. And we layered some piano on top of that afterwards. Now, now I listen back, I would have cut the intro a little bit shorter, but, you know. Right there, you know, when it goes to that hit, you know, I had them play in unison, I think that was, and then spread out on the hit. Little ideas like that, basically playing the, the melody together, some harmonies, um, playing it over the groove, reharmonizing it as well, you know, just knowing available, you know, melody uh, note relationships to root motions and to harmony in the middle, kind of building up a picture vertically for each note when it comes to reharmonization and then knowing where not to be too dense with it as well to really have it like quite quite simple um little harmony there and that's the hook right there don't give up um Kate, Kate Bush's part again and maybe one more time or not nope back to the intro and we got solos yep Nikki Patrick yeah so pretty straightforward in terms of the form you know, just having the melody, it's in two sections, kind of got the verse and the chorus with an intro and a tag between the head and the and the solos. Then maybe, is there a drum solo at the end over the tag? Let's find out. Nope. No, just, we just played the tag at the end there. So nothing crazy. Always it's about the melody. And in this case, about the artist, his name is Patrick Cornelius. I produced this record back in 2006 and um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, the simplicity and about respecting the artist and, and just kind of really being, I don't know, really being true to the music as much as you can. It sounds like quite a generic thing to say, but you know, know, understanding the sound of the musician, the range they like to play in, what, what the horn is, he's playing alto, you know, there are all these things. And the lineup is alto and trombone. Those things are quite far from each other. In in range, you know, the tenor might be a little closer to the trombone, for instance, or the trumpet might be a little closer to the alto, but, you know, making those two instruments work, which they obviously do when you listen back to it, you can hear them working. Um, just being really, really conscious of the overall um, dynamic of the music and of the song and, and, and of what you want to get out of it. Um, Christ, we are going to be here all night if I ask all these questions. 
Um, uh, what is important for you uh, in having a girlfriend who plays music too? Congrats on your engagement. Yeah, we, uh, she is my fiance now, soon to be my wife, and uh, it's huge. We have something in common. How about that? <laughs> we can sympathize. Um, she can mock me from time to time because I play the same licks over and over again. Funny stuff like that. We just get along great and we kind of understand each other and musically finish each other's sentences. Not in that annoying speech pattern way, but like musically we kind of know what's what's up with each other. And we can support each other as well. That's really, really big. Um, and I know what it's like when you come in late from a gig and you've exhausted and you haven't eaten yet so like I can maybe maybe make make food for her or, or have something ready or just be thoughtful for each other in, in in a very specific way that perhaps not a lot of people get to do especially two people who play the same instrument and play similar styles and etc etc that's crazy um so yeah it's it's a it's a great thing highly recommend it if you can find it um wow how do you go? these are some deep questions it's crazy I, instagram just went nuts today there are literally, I don't know, 150, 160 questions here or something. It's insane. So I'm going to set myself a goal here of going like 10 more minutes and I'll get as much in as I can. Um, how do you go about finding slash cultivating your own personal voice on your instrument? That kind of goes to something I said earlier on about spending time with your instrument. you got to spend a lot of time with it. Um, you got to be honest about your output. Um, you know, we all have heroes, but we need to get away from heroes at some point, it especially like it's fatal having heroes on your instrument. Like if I was the, a massive fan of like, who, who's my hero, bass hero. Um, like if a uh, Jacko, for instance, like Jacko Pastore is a great example because he's such a legend and changed the music so much and is such a strong voice on the same instrument that we, that a lot of us play. So, you know, really important to have heroes and be inspired by all those people but then to get the fuck away from them as quickly as possible and that is not only respecting them in a big way by doing that and not just rehashing all their shit and doing a bad job of it because that's pretty much what anyone who plays like jacko does it's just a cheap version of it um but it's respecting yourself and respecting the process and and taking responsibility shouldering some responsibility for your art and the way you create it so i think those are that's 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 on my mind for sure when I'm working working on my own stuff and and writing writing is important you know the writing is going to stick stick around far longer than any other like the 40 minute solos you took on you know on a gig somewhere uh okay let's see what are your thoughts on using software amps effects synths etc versus hardware uh I don't know because I don't do it I don't do any amp modeling ever um and I don't use any software effects for my bass when I perform live. I use plugins and stuff when I'm working in Logic and mixing and doing stuff. But live, no, it's all hardware. Even though some of the effects units I use are digital, they're not all analog. It's all hardware. I'm using this new Line 6 HX Stomp thing that they very kindly sent me recently. And uh, going to get a big tutorial on it at the NAMM show and hopefully really dial in some some different colors and different abilities to create crazy soundscapes with that and it's like a small footprint that can do a lot of things and and with an expression pedal as well so there's some things like that that i'm really that i'm way into and i'm very open to even though i'm really shit at being able to use it like someone literally has to walk me through this whole thing just to switch it on so 
once I get into that, same with the Eventide H9, I really want to dial that. The Line 6 HX Stomp and the Eventide H9, I want to dial those things in with my other analog kind of stuff to really increase the palette when I'm playing live. Um, why are your pickups so close? Do you usually run them both? I do quite often run them both, but they, they have such a different sound. They are close, but they do have a really different sound. And um, no problem running one or the other. Uh, how would you compare Mattison and Federa basses? I wouldn't, I don't think. Um, favorite UK-based musicians? Wow. No idea. Uh, Tom Jenkinson still lives in the UK, right? Square Pusher? Love that guy. And I'm just so out of the out of the loop. I, I met um met a great guitar player recently who was in uh, the trio with with Benny Greb, uh, Chris, and he he was fantastic. But I I just don't know that many musicians. I remember Willem Simcock from back in the day um, was was amazing. I'm sure he, I haven't heard him in a minute, but I'm sure he's only gotten better. Uh, there are a bunch of people. Uh, I'm just really not aware of them. I'm not um, not switched on to that scene. Um, opinions on Israel Crosby. Bad, bad, bad dude. I really love that guy. Um, this is just classic part of upright, upright bass history. And um, Ahmed Jamal, right? Am I getting the right? Yeah, I am. Ahmed Jamal. And just tons of things. Not just that, but that's that's the stuff I, I know the best. And um, love that guy. Huge sound. Big part of history. And uh, I'm, all, I'm all about respecting history and, uh, and and remembering people like that and knowing how much value they brought to the music. Um, uh, blah, 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 blah. Whoa, Coley. Easy, buddy. Yes, we may be getting a late delivery here, but don't chew the Amazon delivery guys head off. Um, uh, oh, wow. Come on, people. Hey, Yannick, why did you switch from Federa to MTDs? Guys, you got to got to use like more than I, this see this is what i'm talking about this is why fucking social media and youtube and all that is so bullshit because people don't spend the time anymore you know it would have taken like a half a second just to look at the photograph before you suddenly decided that it was an i'm being i'm being overly harsh i'm sorry but still it does really highlight the fact that nobody gives a fuck anymore because half a second would have told you if you if, if you know that it's not an mtd it's a mattison base I've never seen an MTD that looks anything like my bass at all. So if you were just looking at the logo and it had an M in it for Mattison, come on. You can definitely do better than that. This is what I'm talking about. Respect the respect the music, respect yourself a little more and 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 get that get that curiosity going again. Fire that thing up. That's your greatest tool. Um all right, ran over. Next question. Are you familiar with Chris Teal? Is that Teal or Tile? Fuck, I don't know how to pronounce it. Or Ty, I don't know. I, I don't want to fuck the guy's name up. I really like him, though. Um, I do. Um, the stuff with uh, with uh, with uh, with Brad, and then the stuff with um, with Yo-Yo Ma, which was badass. Um, and with Edgar Mayer. Like, he's done some great stuff. I, I really like him. The, the Goat Rodeo Sessions. What, what is that? This, this is the thing, right? Yeah, this guy. Super bad. Um, what was the question? I just saw Chris Teal. I think y'all would would make a great album together. Oh, that would be fun. He's such a badass. Like, I'd have to write some like 
serious music. It would be really, really fun. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, we're getting there. Seven more minutes. I'm crushing through these questions. I hope you're still with us uh, and that this is of some interest to you. When playing over fast changes, what are you thinking about? Who knows? I'm definitely not thinking about the changes. I'm not actually thinking about anything. I always, I keep saying this. I don't want to sound like a broken record. Oh, excuse me, broken record, but it's repetition or change. That's what I'm thinking about. Have I been working an idea too long and does it need to change? Or is there too much variation in it and do I need to stick with some repetition of an idea and develop that before I move on? So that's a very simple big picture look at it but that is exactly what's going on what i am not thinking about is chords and scales and modes and all that theory bullshit you know and i say that theory quote unquote that theory bullshit because when it comes to playing live the more links you have in the chain between the musical idea and the execution of that idea i.e chords scales modes all of those things the more links you have in the chain sorry but the the shittier the performance is going to be and the less honest the performance is going to be in a big way so have a think about that and try and dial it in it's the repetition of those elements it's not that you're not going to use modes or use scales or use the knowledge of what a chord is and how to analyze a chord you're just not going to intellectualize it in the moment as you play and if you do your performance is more than likely going to be very disjointed and not flowing at all so that's what i'm thinking about uh, a lot of a lot of doubles here. Um, UK gigs. A lot of people ask the uh, ask similar questions, so I get to skip down a few of these. Um, if there was any, oh, it's a good one. If there was any other instrument you would you would learn, what would it be? Woo. Oh, it's a good question. I mean, I've 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 checked out a lot of instruments. I used to play some trumpet. I do play guitar, drums, and piano. I don't play anything with a reed in it. So I don't play any woodwinds. No saxophone, clarinet, bassoon, oboe, flute, nothing. That might be interesting. But there are just enough great saxophone players in the world. The world doesn't need another one right now. And I wouldn't be great at all. So, uh, yeah, probably just going to stick with the bass. Uh, When are you and Chelsea going to be on the cover of Bass Player Magazine? Hashtag power couple. Uh... Well, appreciate the sentiment. Um, I'm going to guess never. Uh, that's nothing against me or Chelsea. That is, you know, Bass Player Magazine sort of doesn't even exist anymore. They got bought out by by the UK as far as I know. Bass Guitar Magazine or whoever the, the parent company of that is. So I unfortunately don't hold out too much hope for that continuing to be the institution that it was for so long. You know, that was a very American approach. I thought it was very, you know, I thought it was very unique, had a unique perspective. It had access to the greatest players on earth, um, a, a large number of whom live in, you know, New York, Nashville, Chicago, Los Angeles, Miami. They don't live in other parts of the world. That's just a, that's just a fact. So um, the community that that, magazine kind of had surrounding it is now this changed in a big way um i haven't seen a copy of it i don't even know of a copy that hasn't shown up on my feed like it just went completely dead and dormant i used to follow that and not really anymore it just doesn't seem to be popping the way it was so in terms of us showing up on the cover of that particular magazine 
I, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> you know, stranger things have happened. Um, maybe there are plenty of other magazines in the world. Um, I really want to go to Japan together with Chelsea. Maybe we would do something for a Japanese magazine. It would be it would be so much fun either way to play and talk together and take some photographs and stuff. It would be it would be super fun. If it happens, I'm sure we'd be both grinning with excitement. I'm very very happy about it. It'd be very cute. Um how to develop perfect pitch. Oh, I'm not even going to approach that. I don't th- can you develop perfect pitch? I'm not sure. I think there are arguments for and against. Uh I don't have it. A lot of people are born with it. I don't know if you can develop perfect pitch. I'm not the person to ask. I'm definitely not any sort of authority on that. Um, who was your what? Who was your inspiration to play bass? That was Lawrence Cottle, great Welsh bass player, and he's a fantastic bass player. And I saw him when I was a kid, and went out the next day and bought a bass, and then bugged the living shit out of him for a couple of years. And he was basically my mentor. Taught me a large percentage of everything I know today. How many hours or days a week do you recommend to practice to get better? Impossible question to answer. I'll tell you what, I could guarantee that if you practiced for 15 minutes a day every day with the right intent, you would see major improvements in your playing and you would get better. But it's all about what you want out of it, you know. You could practice eight hours a day with the wrong intent and get worse. You know, there's 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 definitely that. So there's no set amount of time. I recommend consistency is always great. And the more time you can spend with your instrument, just the the better it is. Um, Next question. Have you ever played in Brazil? I have played in Brazil many, many, many times. In fact, I was in Brazil this year in Sao Paulo. Um, Where can I get your new signature bass from Matheson Basses? You can send an email to Anders Matheson. If you go to his website, we're just going to update the website this month, this in the next couple of weeks, so the bases are there, the new ones. <coughs> Jeez, I'm running out of gas here. Mm. So we're going to update the website, and there will be it will be part of the order form, um, and the new models will be there, just because they're not launching officially until now. So we're going to do that in the next few weeks, and you will be able to get it at mattisonbase.com. And even if it's not up there, you can send Anders an email and start the process. Um Oh, let's see. A lot of questions, but I want to get to like maybe two or three more and then we're done because it's been a really long podcast. Uh, This is a good one. How do you break into what feels like an impenetrable scene to begin a career? You have to love what you do. You have to love the work and you have to love the up and the down and the side to side and all the things that go with it. And I would recommend being, you know, geographically well positioned if you want to meet people face to face. I know that's not a thing anymore. And most of music is created, you know, over the internet and split screens and, you know, this shared and that shared and that, you know, quote unquote cover. I've already said my piece about covers earlier on. Um, But, you know, if you want to have any semblance of reality in your process or what an actual career in music is, not an Instagram influencer career is, then I suggest being somewhere geographically that makes geographical sense that, that, that there are other like minded musicians around. Perhaps that means going to music school somewhere and being in, in, a, in a big network and community of musicians. Perhaps that just means saving your money from tuition and moving to a city that is vibrant and, um, you know, you can find people that, that, that want to do similar stuff to you and that you can challenge and that challenge you. Um, whoa, describe your perfect gig. No idea. 
oh, man, these so many of these questions are good, but I just don't think I have time to get to all of them right now. It's such a shame. Oh, I am nearing the bottom. Oh, all right. Second wind, second wind. Um, will you play a gig in Phoenix in 2019? Absolutely no idea. I haven't played in Phoenix in a really long time. So 2019, I don't know, but I will definitely make a much better effort to tour the US in 2020 with my own music. So maybe Phoenix can be a part of that. Um, do I have any new records uh, that have been inspiring me lately? Yeah, all the classical stuff that I talked about. Um, the Hummel, the Haydn, the Dvorak, some Liszt, some Chopin, uh, some Mahler, some uh, Grieg, some Schumann piano concerto, like tons of stuff. Uh, Elgar, Sanson, Messiaen, like I've been really, really digging in the classical bin lately. Who is your favorite musician? I don't have one. Impossible. Um, how do you get out of a deep rut? I'm picking up the pace here, as you may have noticed, because I am actually getting to the end of the questions. How do you get out of a deep rut? Uh, take a break. If you're in a deep rut musically and you keep picking up your instrument and not feeling inspired to play, it's generally a good idea to take a break um, and get away from it and come back kind of refreshed. That's what works for me. Um, what was the price for your bass? What are you playing right now? Huh. Not sure which bass you're talking about, but... Yeah, actually, I have no idea. I'm not playing a bass right now. <laughs> uh, weird question to be answering on a podcast. Uh, okay. Okay, last question. This is the last question I'm going to answer because there were so many doubles, triples, quadruples of the same thing. Uh, but this one, uh, do you have a tip about how I can develop my musical ear? And this kind of plays perfectly into the sentiment that's sort of been running throughout this podcast is you've got to spend the time. Be around the music. Be around the instrument. Make sure curiosity is driving you and not some teacher that told you you had to do something or you you heard me say at some point, oh, you must, you, you, you know, this is really good. Me suggesting something and saying this is really good and it worked for me is not me telling you that you got to do it. Just the same as your teacher telling you you have to do this is, is, is kind of pointless if you don't want to do it. So if you don't want to do it, you're not going to retain the information. So... It's exactly the same in developing your ear. And uh, you, you, you gotta be, you got to be really, really, really immersed in it. And like this classical stuff I'm immersed in right now, I'm listening to it all the time. It's not just the hours and hours I'm spending every day practicing it and working on it. It's the, the other four, five, six hours I have it on my headphones when I'm at the gym or it's in the car or I was at Target today doing, you know, running errands and stuff or I was at Lowe's somewhere and I had the headphones in and I was, I was, listening to it i was at lunch i was listening to it you know if you have that time on your own then there's no excuse to not be not be constantly working if that's what your goal is and if you want to improve and improving always means work it means lots of work it means lots of hard work and ultimately the success will come from you loving that work so um on that bombshell coffee drinkers Thank you for sticking with me. If you did all this time, don't forget, it's about another well, another 29 hours now until the sale ends. Our last sale of 2018. All the books are already like 40% discounted. Plus, you can get an extra 15% off at my e-store, store.yannickwisdala.com, using the coupon code COFFEEDRINKERS at checkout. Uh, and until the next time, I think the next time will probably be in 2019. So, Happy New Year to you all. Thank you for an awesome 2018 it was it was really a lot of fun it had its ups has its downs had its monumental moments and uh i really appreciate 
you guys, girls, ladies and gentlemen, coffee drinkers being there to share it with me. Really, uh, really, really means a lot to me and to Chelsea as well. I know we have a lot of fun doing the podcast and, and all the other stuff we do together. So we will see you all with your coffee in hand in 2019.